Hello and welcome to Discussing Documentaries. My name's Tink Sterling and this is Rick Wharton. Hello, Tinks. Welcome back. <laughs> Hiya. <laughs> what second are you on right now? Because I don't think we hit it on time. 25. And now? 29. Mm, we'll see how it goes. Okay. Do you want to start again? No, no, we'll use this. Come on. <laughs> if, our, if our fans, our God bless fans stuck around for what? What's it been? Four weeks since we've released any content? <laughs> They're gonna, they're gonna. God bless them. Stick through this. Uh, very sorry for that. Um, early December, I caught this uh, flu that's going around, and uh, unfortunately now, uh, Mister Matt Wills is under the weather. So we have the lovely Tink Sterling back in the studio, and we are finally, we are finally wrapping up Billy Milligan, the Twenty Four Faces of a Monster, or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I think we've we've lost what um fun in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> can i also say that instead of my book i couldn't be bothered to find my notebook that i've written in previously so it's just on like an envelope <laughs> that's that's my notes <laughs> and like now that i've come upstairs to record it i can see the book it's, just, it's literally it wouldn't have took long to find but here we are Listen, I, around October, discovered that I had a full sheet of A4 printer paper, mm -hmm. but don't have a printer. So I started to use just blank sheets of A4 for the nodes, which sounds genius until you've watched episode four of Billy Milligan on six separate occasions and you can't find your fucking notes. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're ducking through nine episodes of Tiger King and Christ knows what else I've been writing down. So... Why was it, at what point was it, why would it be genius? Just to not waste the paper. Just to use that, yeah. Because I've got a real habit of, like, I don't know if you can see this, obviously you in podcast land can't, but I've got a real problem with buying notebooks. Yeah. Like, um, and if I don't like what I write on page one, I consider them to be cursed and have to start again. <laughs> so the Bible must have took ages. <laughs> Must have, mustn't it? I was like, when I was young. <laughs> sorry, I haven't talked to anyone for a while. I'm dead excited. Um, when I was yeah. Young, oh, sorry. Just before we started, I, I asked uh, Tinks how she was doing. She went, "I'm not talking to you in case we've got nothing to talk about on the podcast." <laughs> well, to help her with that, I've written a list of things I will talk about on the back of a Christmas card. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear them or not? I look forward to getting to Yule Tiding. <laughs> no, it says, just because I feel like we've done three episodes, Billy Milligan. This is the final one. So I feel like I, we can finish how we started, which is advent calendars, beer subscriptions and air dryers. That's what I said I'm willing to talk about. Fourth point is possibly something else, but at the real possibly, and I've written no... Oh, that doesn't make any sense. But what I mean is nothing to do with New Year or Christmas or resolutions or anything. But I specifically negotiated with your agent. You would say if you had a nice New Year or no. not. So I am. Um... No, we'll do that tomorrow because we're going to do more tomorrow. We need to have things to talk about, such as New Year, <laughs> <laughs> resolutions, Christmas chat, etc. What is it about every friend that stays in my life is insanely organised? Like I don't. 
Remember how I told you about the envelope on the back of a Christmas card? <laughs> yes, but you made the note because you were too busy being organised about what to talk about. And also recycling. <laughs> and recycling. Oof. All right. Anyway. Tinks doesn't recycle, doesn't believe in it. What? I just spat my way. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that would get her. She literally just nearly spat on her laptop there. Um... Oh, that made me so mad. <laughs> oh hell <laughs> tell the people she just chucks marmite pots in the garden she just doesn't give a shit throw them in the faces of cows I'll have me drink now I'm alright there is a little bit of documentary news today I don't know if it came up in your feed what? Robert Durst has been vacated of his conviction is that off who's that? off Tiger King? no that's the <laughs> jinx Robert Durst oh yeah, his uh, conviction got vacated as there's a loophole in California that if uh, you're going through appeals motions when you die, your conviction no longer stands. Oh, God. Well, what is he dead like? I can't, is that what happens at the end? Yeah, no, no, he, he died today, like, or yesterday. Oh, I understand. Right, sorry, I'm with you. I thought that wasn't the bloody end of the documentary. It was a... Well, I won't spoil well, it. Well, burping was actually uh, an early warning sign for pancreatic problems. Um, no, so yeah, he passed away today. Uh, no one ever finds out what happened to Kathy. Oh, bloody hell. The poor victims. I mean, I've written that down a million times today and all watching this episode. There's never any, or really any bloody justice, is there? Not on the shows we watch, no. No. I was, watch, I was looking at ones for a record. And I was looking through, you know, like Netflix, like puts them down in like sections. And one was like inspirational documentaries. I started looking through them and I was like, no, Rick won't want to watch any of these. That'll be too, that'll be shit. And I saw a David Bowie one and I thought, no, probably not that either. But um, yeah, the other, it was like, it was saying that we know it's got like three words to describe it. And there was a lot of ones that said like heartfelt, heartwarming. I was like, that's not for us, is it? <laughs> no, hey, I could be heartwarming. I watched Muppets Christmas Carol this year. Oh, but, same. What's your favourite bit? Oh shit, we're talking about Christmas, man. This is me one. It's room. all right. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk about other Christmas things. Yeah. Um. That's that's what we'll do. What's your favourite bit of Muppets Christmas Carol? Favourite bit of Muppets Christmas Carol. Uh, I love the big ghost. Um, Come, come in, in and know up. me better, man. Yeah, big fan of him. Um. Oh, you caught me on the hoppy. I would have liked to give a good answer to this. Do you want me to tell you my favourite bit? Because that's really the only reason I've asked you. Might have been a leading question. You hit me with a tinks. What's your favourite bit of Muppets like Christmas it Carol? I when they're asking to have the heating on and then the Scrooge is like, no, cold people get sacked or something. And then all the little rats have got hula skirts on. They go, this is my island in the sun. <laughs> that's my favourite bit. All right, okay, the Michael Caine line, if I remember correctly, is maybe it'll be warmer in the unemployment line. Yeah, that's it. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? This is the first Christmas. I'm really breaking all my rules here. But it's the first Christmas that I had the genius idea of just listening to the soundtrack of Muppet's Christmas Carol instead of, like, Christmas songs. And I tell you what, that warmed me heart. Just walking through your kitchen, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes <laughs> Mr. Scrooge. Exactly. Yeah, that's literally been the song of the of the Yuletide. 
I've discovered a, a pet peeve I have is because we kept Christmas music on as much as possible just to keep the energy up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, due to, um, I'll tell you what, this is this is something you, you, worth talking about. Um, the fatigue that comes along with COVID yeah. is, is very real. It is. But in my case, it's very much um, the boy who cried wolf in terms of the last... 32 years of my being so you've always been a lazy bastard i have you mm-hmm. and you give me that you rang me the first night so what happened when i went into i i, I tested positive because i just had to go and see the fucking eternals for two hours in the cinema <laughs> 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 i've been careful for three years i've traveled the country nah me mate wants to go and see a marvel movie so let's fuck up everyone's life for 12 days <laughs> um and you rang me the first night so it's a lot like um, when you test positive. It's a little bit like a pregnancy test, except for no one's willing to hug you. <laughs> um, and you, you're panicking, thinking, right, you got this thing. You've heard of lasting conditions, and then you notice your loved ones are busy choosing what room to lock you in for 10 days. <laughs> and so I ended up in uh, the room with the ensuite with my laptop, and I got a phone call for you, I think, on day one or day two. And this is one of the few, I was actually feeling rough at this point. It was one of the few bits of advice I remember about getting COVID. You went, just make sure you don't make a meal of it. <laughs> Karen, supportive as ever. <laughs> it was good advice. It was good advice. Um, but yes, I am, I am knackered a lot of the time now. Oh, pet. <sighs> Sorry to hear that. I also got a new Xbox for Christmas, so that added a few more weeks on doing a new um, podcast. Ooh. Oh, now we're talking about things we got for... I really want to tell you about something that I got Stuart for Christmas now. All right, go for it. Oh, fuck's sake. Go on then. So, I got him... So, basically, we got his dad a a, a Commodore 64 Mini for Christmas, you know? Amazing. So we got him that, and like, um, I had been so like from like August September, I was like, I'm gonna get Stuart like an old school console, and I was thinking like a Sega Mega Drive because that's what he had when he was younger. But then mm-hmm. in like September October, I'd said we need to get your dad something dead thoughtful. Like, and like I proper hate how dads always just get drink, and like. And then, I mean, the drink is good, you know what I mean? But, like, you must get a bit fed up when you've got all these. Anyway, so I said, let's really think. And so Stuart came up with that, which was a great idea. And then, so then I was the world was opened about mini consoles, right? And then there's a lovely gaming shop and concert where, where, where we live. So then, obviously, I made best friends with the man who works in the shop, and I was, like, ringing him all the Cause, time. Because no one, no one regularly talks to him. <laughs> <laughs> ringing him, messaging him, and I was saying, like, oh, I was thinking about getting a Sega Mega Drive, but maybe I should get a mini console instead. And so, anyway, what I ended up getting what looks like a Sega Mega Drive, but this, but it's the a mini. But then the guy spent, like, six, I can't remember if it was six or nine months programming it, right? So... On the SD card, it's got over 10,000 games. And it's got all the old arcade games on, all the PlayStation, Sega, Mega Drive, Atari, like Game Boy. And the Game Boy one actually comes up like a little Game Boy screen. Ah! It was, honestly, it's absolutely class. So we've had the time of our lives for that. Yeah, they're they're mint. Lex had one, the old flatmate. Yeah, I bet it's not, uh, probably wasn't as good as this one, though. It wasn't designed to look like an old Mega Drive. And... 
probably wasn't made by the nice man in concert. Six months or nine. Yeah, no, listen, I by no, I am saying that is an awesome present. You look taken back. Well, I'm just annoyed because most people are like, oh, right, that's You're good. in my... I'm in you your world You're completely now. in my nerdy wheelhouse here. Yeah, yeah that's I, fair enough. But isn't it a good present? Stuart said it was the best present he's ever had. I would concur. That is a fucking amazing present. But it's been really good fun looking at all the like, weird shit that like... Like there's a Beetlejuice game on... Um, on Game Boy, there's a Little Mermaid one, which is really good. Have you have you listened to um or read um Daisy May Cooper's book? No. You know Daisy May Cooper off this country. No. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah. I know who. You mean. And she's like, this it's it's really good a book, especially his audio book with her like amazing like, uh, West Country accent, and she's like reading books that she wrote when she was little. Um, and one of them is like about Ariel and the Little Mermaid. She's like, and then she turned into a human and it was amazing. And like the way she reads, it's so good. And then at the start of this Game Boy game, it's like exactly the same. I was just hearing it in her voice. It was like, and then the flounder came to the surface and said, oh dear, Ariel, the whole of the undersea is going to turn bad if you don't turn back to mermaid, save the sea. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? Disney have said this is okay. Anyway, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> and you know what's been nice as well? Is that pretty much everyone has got like a reference point, like whatever age, well, probably well, not really my granddad, but like everybody else has got some kind of reference point. So like from like 60s down, so like there's at least one games console, a game that people have played. So like everybody gets well into it. And even the little ones, like the kids, they, I mean, they're mad as a box of tits. They watch people play Sonic and that. Interesting you bring that up. Uh, Rick Wharton's Twitch stream is to be launched in the new year. <laughs> Are you joking? I'm not joking. I am monetizing my computer gaming time. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to let my Benz watch you. It's only going to be me playing FIFA with a mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm going to keep talking. So, the... <laughs> <laughs> no, but what's been nice is that they've then been able to see like, where Sonic came from and Stuart's taught them how to play it and old-fashioned things. No, that's mint. It's good, that's isn't mint. it? When I played that one, uh, I I couldn't believe how hard Mario was. Mm-hmm. Because it's not like modern games where the movements are very exact. No. <laughs> so, like, you slide off. So you go to play Mario. Like, well, I used to play this when I was six. I'd be mint at it, and then I'd whack into a turtle, and I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck's this? Yeah. I find it mad how your muscle... Because I didn't, like, have, like... We, I didn't, we didn't have any consoles when I was little... But I did like plug in ones, but I did have a Game Boy. And what I found mad is how quickly the like muscle memory comes back. Like I can vividly remember playing that like um Mario and like getting pissed mm. off at the same bits. And it's like, how is my brain like held on to that information? Also, did oh. you know I'm fucking class at Tetris? That doesn't surprise me. Um I'll yeah, that, I'm not surprised in the slightest. I've been playing a lot of columns. I got a Mega Drive disc with a lot uh. of Mega Drive games on. But um, speaking of muscle memory, as like we, I mean, we go back a long time. I can't tell you what my phone number is now, and I've had it for like eleven years. Yeah. But if you check out, there is a game called WWF Warzone on the PlayStation. PlayStation um, One. Yeah. Oh, that might be on uh, my console. 
And if you play as a character called Rocky Maivia, who mm-hmm. became a bit of a movie star, um, if you press right, right, up, triangle, circle, then you will perform his secret special move, the rock bottom. I remember that. <laughs> forward, forward, up, back, down, left is like Square and X switching music. I, it is is hard coded into my soul that material, and I still can't tell you loved ones' birthdays. <laughs> Well, at least the COVID, although it has brought on lethargy, it hasn't at least broken down that bit of your memory. Oh, the COVID, that was... If it wasn't, right, if it was... I have to prefix this. If it wasn't for knowing that my other half was having to deal with everything about the house and worried about the dog, plus working, plus getting food for me and this, that and the other, and hopefully not give it to her. Um, Me being told I'm not allowed to leave a room locked in it with a laptop and the new football manager after the Newcastle takeover. I I had like comedians from around the country ringing me asking me how's the season going when they're traveling back from gigs. I uh, <laughs> I won 12 European Cups. I, I built a <laughs> dynasty. I built an absolute dynasty at Newcastle. I'll, I'll put pictures out on our social media feeds. <laughs> but I, I, I gotta be honest, I wasn't ready to, I wasn't ready to come out. I got lured out for the Newcastle match. <laughs> I had to psych myself up to look excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you've done yourself proud. Yes. Yes, I have. Yes. <laughs> but before we get into anything else we can talk about tomorrow, let's get into the finale, the finale of Billy Milligan. Because yep. we were going to watch this, and I think it was the day before I got ill. Yeah. So I'd watched this episode. And I think we'd sacked it, like we'd postponed it once before. So this is the third time I've seen this episode. Oh, and shit. <laughs> the, the concerning thing for me is I don't know what multiple of my personality watched it because I remembered fuck all fuck from all. it. I've seen this three times mm. and I still had to make notes on, on what was going on. But um, this has been a fun four-parter. I just can't believe it spanned from summer. To get done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I know I was starting to think we were like really like crap, but actually you were ill and then it was Christmas. Not that we're going to talk about Christmas, obviously. No, no, we'll save this for next year's Christmas. We're going to see, we remembered. <laughs> right. Little deep cut episode for the super fans. Oh, drop me earphone. All right, so get me caught up. Where are we at at the beginning of episode four, Tinks? Well, I had forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> so he's been, I mean, it's, it is hard to keep up, isn't it? He's been in and out of different mental institutions. I don't have to do a full recap of all three episodes, do I? If you'd like a full recap, oh, please Jesus. please go back and watch episode one, two, and yeah. three. <laughs> where we do it. Episode three, as we talk now, I have not actually edited because I think, I feel like we both got bored of each other and ended it early. <laughs> Yeah, and also I came, I was coming across, or I felt like I was coming across like a right fucking bitch. But you said it's not that bad when you cut out eighty percent of it, or whatever. <laughs> no, that was that was episode two. Oh really? I've not, I've not edited episode three yet. I thought I sounded like a bloody dream on episode two, you bastard. You did, you did, but you were in, you you were you lacked confidence in that, or or, or what may have happened, right? And this this again does happen. Uh, I may have said 
I've done something yeah, and been reassuring. That, yeah, I think that might be the case. Because today you were like, we've got two more episodes to do. I was like, we haven't, like, we've got one. You were like, no, no, how many episodes is there? Is it four? No, I, <laughs> I thought this was a six-parter because I'm like, he hasn't been to Vegas yet. Oh, right, okay, well, he has. And I'd he? seen 50 minutes of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, it alluded at the end of episode three because he's in and out of he's, he's he was in a in a um, mental uh, institution hospital, but he's allowed to just like dick about on a weekend and go in and out as he pleases, pretty much. So it alluded at the end of the last episode, episode three, that he was gonna bugger off, basically run away. <clears throat> yeah, I think, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what happens is they there's a law change and like no, he's going back on the strict ward. He's going back on these drugs. And so he bounces, he runs away, mm-hmm. he goes on the lam from the hospital he's currently an outpatient at. And yeah. that is where episode four brings us up. So he ran away on July 4th, so there'll be less people working. Mm. I think that happens on a lot of bank holidays. It's a good idea, isn't it? Ah, it's difficult to get buses, though, isn't it? <laughs> That's a good point, aye. <laughs> but my... My birthday or around about my birthday usually falls on a bank holiday and I usually do something awful, so at least that's a good out. <laughs> <laughs> I am coming round to the idea that it's just a multiple, do you know what I mean? No, 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 four drinks, that's that's Craig. That's not Richard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go on, so he buggers off on the 4th. Yeah, buggers off on the 4th of July... Then it's got like, all these cutscenes saying, like, when his meds run out, he might become dangerous. And I've got to be honest, at this point in the documentary, I've got to believe this good's dangerous anyway. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, I'm not at the point of going, ooh, I'm glad those pills are keeping them nice while I've got them in a nice place. But yeah, it seems like as long he's, he's nice as long as he's getting his own way, isn't it? What I did notice, though, is now that he's balding, yeah. it's like it, it shows the amount of life that's been spent in and out of these institutions, you know what I mean? Like, he looked like one of the monkeys of that long flowing hair, and now he's just, oh, him balding with that tash. He looks like a cheap Vegas con man. Do you know, like, you ever watch Casino? No. you never seen Casino? No, my mum had it on tape, but no. <laughs> Sorry. All oh, right. Well, he looks like Sharon Stone's ex in Casino. He's, he's the dodgy Vegas guy. Right. Know, just take your deposit check and run away. <laughs> I mean, fair, I know what you're saying, and obviously, like, the amount of drugs and whatever else he's been on, but also, it's only nine years since he committed these crimes, you know. Oh, yeah. Right, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, so, it, it is telling you the dates. Because there was that the footage of Thatcher meeting Gorbachev, uh-huh. and then what's Billy Milligan doing? What's yeah. he painting? <laughs> what's World he? relevance. <laughs> but yeah, it's only nine years <clears throat> later, so... Considering the sentence he would have got, you know what I mean. It is a bit of a like. Oh, that, there's a lot of that that's quite second and throughout this episode. Yeah. Because um, he also he runs away with his little mate. Do you know the one that's sticking the little stool in yes. the bar? Jim Murray, um, Mr. Burns. Jim Murray, Mr. Burns. Yeah, he looks a bit like Robert Durst as well. Um, oh yeah, he does. He, he really does. Yeah. Um, so. He runs away with him, and he convinces Billy to make like a Timothy McVeigh videotape to go like, 
oh, I'm having to run away because of your politics. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for a start, I think it's very clear that Mr. Burns is like probably being bullied at school and was fucking buzzing that he's got a mate who's hard. That's exactly what I think's happened. Do you know yeah. what I mean? He's like, oh, my mate Billy Ray, he comes and does me little programs with us and everybody <laughs> says nobody's going to pick on us no more because because uh, my friend's Billy and he'll be on that, yeah? <laughs> That's what I get. <laughs> I, I love, love the thought that there's going to be people in Australia listening to this. <laughs> um, I don't understand either of them now. <laughs> And all of the people in Australia seemingly sound like your impression of Alfie or whichever fucking one of his personalities is. <laughs> English one. <laughs> no, I don't understand either of them. Um, but yeah, sorry, I have put you off piece, but I think that he's just really happy to have a hard friend. I completely agree. And they even do that later on and they even show you that with the director. So what they do... It's when they're doing the. It's close to the wrap up of the episode, and they're talking about Billy's personality and how he's a sociopath. And one of his MOs is to go to a more uh, sub, find a subservient character that he can take control and be a hero factor to. Yeah. And then he sat in a normal chair at a normal height, and it cuts to this guy ten feet away in, in a kid's stool, like, yeah. So Billy just asked me to mail him some weed. And- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ridiculous. Well, I mean, he takes... Sorry, I have taken you off piece, but like, as you say, he runs away with him and the fella takes little to no responsibility for helping him cross state lines, does he? He's like, ah, oh, well, I just thought we'll keep driving. If we need to turn back, we'll turn back. It's like, you fucking what? I had a great time with Billy on a road trip. He was really chilled. He was, he was in good spirits. I was like, oh, I'm pleased to hear that for you. But, I mean... You're not his usual bloody one that he tries and rapes, are you? You twat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And like, and also, like, I feel like it could, like, I am trying to follow the story. He like. It's difficult on an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you see, the problem with the book was I was going between characters on different pages, but I've realised it's better to just write on an envelope step by step. <laughs> um. But, like, yeah, he takes no responsibility for it. And also, he's, um, am I allowed to say about the forging of the information yet? Because I feel like that's, like, pretty much next, isn't it? Yeah, so they, they, they drop him off in Aspen. Billy keeps the car, obviously, and uh, Murray has to fly back on his own. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Billy keeps the car. Uh, Murray sorts out fake ID for him. Uh-huh. And so he can get a driver's license. Criss Cross. T- no, nah, it wasn't his name, Criss Cross. Oh, Chris. There's no, a clues think- in what they're doing. <laughs> what is it? Right, so he needs a driving license, and yeah. he needs it to be a good one. So he called himself uh, Chris Carr. Of course he Oh, can yeah, drive. Chris Carr, not Criss Cross. <laughs> it's, it's really unfortunate because the name Jack Innocent was taken. <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> <laughs> got one that just says "Not Billy Milligan." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe you could literally give himself the name Billy, Billy No Mates because <laughs> that's no like mates. the opposite. 
ass tickled us. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just laughing at myself. Oh, I thought it was a Jack Innocent line. Never mind. Oh no, Still. on that as well. It's the collective. It's, it's the collective humour of us both that I'm enjoying, Richard. The moment has passed. On to page two. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Woo. Yeah. Go on then. <laughs> so Billy's in bother, right? He's he's drawing street art uh, to make cash. Who do you reach out to when you need a friend? Who out of all the ensemble of people that we've met would you reach out to and be like, shit, I need someone? Jim. Brother Jim with a trustworthy face. Lovely Jim. Lovely Jim. <laughs> Who only happily harbors in the bits of fucking fugitive. Yeah, but the way he tells it makes you Yeah, the way he tells it just makes him seem so fucking lovely. I know. <laughs> I know I still feel like he can do no wrong in my eyes. Like, I'm livid with the other Jim, Mr. Burns Jim, for what he's done. But trustworthy, lovely Jim, I'm like, See, oh. I, I think he has the same thing. I think he's got a trail of bodies behind him with I, all the charm. he's like, because I, I believe every word that comes out of his mouth. He's the one who got the dad to the knife's neck. Ah, uh, that's true. That is true. But, I mean, he did deserve it. But, anyway... So uh, the brother was worried about uh, repercussions of being in contact with him. He um, he won't take him to Canada, so he takes him to a town called Bellingham. Mm-hmm. Um, he co- he kept a ju- like I say he kept a journal. Uh, no one contacted him to see if Billy had been in touch with him. That's and then he called his lawyer because it's got a clip at the beginning of the lawyer saying, "I've always been worried that this will have a brutal end. I don't think Billy's going to hurt anyone, but I'm worried he might hurt himself." Mm-hmm. And then Jim says, I called the lawyer, and the lawyer says, the best thing for all of us, if he just goes into the woods and kills himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's getting worried because he's drawing disturbing paintings. But then, have we missed the bit about his brother taking them flying? Oh, sorry. Do you know, I'm trying to be um, a lot more, what would be the phrase, culturally aware of white guy privilege. And when you say, and Billy wanted to go flying, so I took him up in my little plane. <laughs> and just like, then we went sailing. It's like, who are these fucking people? I don't know. Well, no, I was, I, that just got us, because I was thinking like, right, the <clears throat> with all the different personalities, I was thinking like, does one of them have a fucking pilot's license? Because that's what I was expecting was next. Like, that's one of the other things he's fucking. Well, well they thought they were going to struggle, but he pulled out a license that said Peter Plane. <laughs> and... <laughs> And yeah, they just give you a plane. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's really got us again. Oh. <laughs> Need a plane. <laughs> oh, now I'm trying to think of all the other um, forms of transport. Anyway. Brian Bus. Brian Bus. Terry Train. Terry Train. Barry Bike. Barry Bike. There is a moment of a bike later that made me laugh. Um, but now, Billy... So he's there, and Billy's living in this weird little village. But uh, just before Canada, I think, it's where he's staying. Yeah. I think Bellingham's, like, top of Seattle near the Canadian coastline. Um... And he starts doing paintings, which worries his brother. 
Mm. Which I got a family member doing paintings worrying me right now. <laughs> uh, and let let me tell you, it is. I'll, I'll just get the audience caught up there. Right? <laughs> Ever since the Bob Ross documentary, me dad has been painting. Now, let me tell you, this man is a fucking savant, all right? He has learned from YouTube, and he's a phenomenal painter. But he did a portrait of me, my partner, and my beagle. That I have since sent to Ting, so you can hear her reaction to being reminded of it. <laughs> currently in the kitchen um <laughs> and the reason being my older brother saw it and started offering large sums of money that he could have it which triggered a bidding war for this fucking painting <laughs> so it could be held at ours now um... <sighs> i've gone completely red gone at some red. point in fact for our patreon viewers i will post a picture of what that painting is on yeah. uh, on patreon for you guys to check it out but, um, yeah, so he's doing disturbing paintings uh, <laughs> while Billy is. Forgive us for being off topic a bit. I think this is the first time me or Tinks has spoken to someone outside our own household in quite some time. It is, definitely. Oh, just quickly talk about me dad's paintings. The problem is with him, he can't be complimented. Oh. Like, you go, Wait. oh, dad, that's that's amazing. He goes, well, I learned off YouTube, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm saying it's good. He's like, no, nah, someone else is uh, fine. So he did one, and it was like a plane going into the sunset. It's a really good painting. And I went, oh, yeah, I really like the one of the Spitfire. And this is when I'd um, had a lot of people in my house, and I'd been corrected a lot over a course of a few days. Um, and I think I just must have bubbled over. And I oh, also, um, Adam Morrison, who I was starting the Twitch stream with, had beat me FIFA on FIFA three times in a row, so I was in a bad mood, uh, going for a dog walk. And uh, I said, I really like the one of the Spitfire. went, it's not a Spitfire. I went, well, whatever fucking play. <laughs> Did he respond better to that? Oh, no, I apologise. I tried to address my behaviour going, oh, I'm sorry, I've been corrected a lot lately. Oh, <laughs> that's, well that's done. That's not you, Dad. Very well done. Maybe if you went outside, Morrison. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a house question because you had a funny answer to this, right? You, you, you've, you're a homeowner. You may have... Uh-huh. experience something similar for the last week and a half mm. i am getting static i am giving static electric electric shocks to almost everything i touch door handles cutlery the dog anything i touch i give a static electric shock to is that something you've heard of which there is might be something wrong or am i getting superpowers um have you been rubbing balloons on yourself Again. No, I haven't been rubbing balloons on myself. That's. 
I didn't know if that's a, oh, fuck, that means, you know, your wiring's messed up or something. I don't know. That's normally the question I would ask Matt as an adult. Have you been <clears throat> popping your finger in the plug? Okay, I'm going to stop coming to you for suggestions now. <laughs> um, clearly, it's it, it's not something you cross. Do you know what my dad said? Because he, he, he paused for a second and gave it a good long think, and he went, have you thought about touching things slower? <laughs> I like that. Thanks. Just want to make sure I'm not, you know, admitting some kind of radiation around the house of my loved ones. No, cool. Because <laughs> if there's one thing you're known for, it's your speed. <laughs> <laughs> COVID is a cruel mistress. Dear <laughs> <laughs> me. All right, so the... Big brother's getting nervous. He's living. Uh, Billy's in Bellingham, and he gets a phone call. And Billy says, uh, "I've started a hot tub company." <laughs> Which that's a red flag. <laughs> and the, the bit, the, this is like the most shocked that lovely Jim seems all the way through, and he's like, and then he said he was like the market manager. <laughs> I was like, all right, he's fucking. Raping and pillaging left, right, and centre, but it's when he starts faking it as a marketing rep- representative that you've got the issue, is it, lovely Jim? Well, you know, you obviously got the right identification, Henry Hot Tub. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who else? Uh, when, when that man applies for the head of marketing for, for the Hot Tub Company, who are you going to give it to? God, you're gonna to have to remember how much this tickles us. I feel like you can, if you remember this, you've, you're gonna get a laugh from me for the rest of time. <laughs> I didn't know I was running out. To be honest, like remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you'll find out when you try and listen back to uh, episode three, which you haven't um, edited yet. <laughs> well, I'm just horrible to you. Someone was just cranky. Okay, it happens. <laughs> The magic of editing between some of my and Matt's episodes, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> some of them are just two separate conversations of him talking about Magnums and me talking about the Newcastle takeover, and I just slammed them together, and no one seems to notice. <laughs> Works beautifully. <laughs> so unfortunately, we don't hear anything more about the hot tub company, because I would have loved to have heard what it was like day-to-day around the office. Yeah, well, I mean, they could have got some promo materials. Exactly. Uh, but very quickly, someone else who is also meant to be involved in the hot tub company goes missing. Oh, is that what it was? I missed that link. Okay. So I think this is where he's hiding to his brother, where he's getting the money from. Mm-hmm. Ah, and right. claimed it was a hot tub company. I'm with you. So I don't know why he went for hot tubs. Like, Once again, that's what we're questioning. But it's because it's so absurd and so harrowing, this story. You have to be like, look at his moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Which one of them fucking personalities decided to have that? That's what I want to know. <laughs> right, yes. Yeah, so, Michael Madden goes missing, who's Billy's neighbour. Yeah. It turns out that uh, Michael Madden and Billy, for some reason, have a joint account, which um, his government check from, I want to say, the military. Mm-hmm. Yes. Being, being a military vet gets paid into, or his welfare check. One, yeah. one, one of those type things. So Billy has access to his funds. 
they were last seen arguing about money. And then Billy says, someone's went missing in my apartment. And with the police around so much, they're going to, you know, they're going to figure out who I am, which they interviewed Chris Carr several times. And uh, so they come up with an idea that he's going to turn himself in in the state of the doctor he wants to treat him. Which, the ego that you could do that is phenomenal. I know. Do you know what I mean? I'll turn myself in, but Dr. Allison, I believe it was called, is the one I want treating me because he's the one who believes in this as a... um, As a real... As a real condition, and more importantly, the, um, the treatment isn't the psychotropic drugs. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he was getting at, I want to say, a Letna uh, facility. So he goes to meet... So Jim rings him and says, if he comes to me, I'll meet him. Mm-hmm. So he goes to, I want to say, this is when he gets to Sacramento. And they give him the address to go and meet Dr. Allison. And the address is a prison. <laughs> 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 Can you imagine looking up from the sat-nav and being like, ah, oh, fuck <laughs> managed to elude them for so long <laughs> but, uh, and then it, this is it just gets wild from this point if you weren't fatigued from how batshit crazy billy milligan was aye. this is just start this last 20 minutes the shit so he's now got a problem with the state prosecutor that's trying to find him so he goes to i I think that's in California. He goes to California where there's the state prosecutor convention. <laughs> yeah. Goes, goes to Florida. In... Goes to the, yeah, state, the state, all the state prosecutors are having a convention in the hotel. And just, <laughs> that's where he's stopping. So he's right and goes, I'm going to go sit in the cafeteria. Then I'll have the upper hand on them. Yeah, no <laughs> shit's given. Well, I see it as almost an insecurity. Where you have to seem like you're winning somehow. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, well, I'm going to do this. It's like, yeah, they're having cocktails and talk about their holiday homes. They don't give a shit <laughs> about you. Like, yeah. Like, that's the thing is like, it's, it's always constantly, like everything he says is like about, he's like, about how he's being treated and about like how it's unfair yeah. for him. And like, again, you don't know because it's only what you're being given. But there is like so little, because like, once again, there's no doubt that one he and and or one of his personalities has committed these crimes. No doubt whatsoever, yeah. Like as in that's never been doubted. So it's like then like when there just doesn't seem to be like any level of remorse of like, oh well, I can understand why they might be a bit worried about that, what with all the things that fucking Charlie Alexis Peter Plain did, you know what I mean? <laughs> Charlie Alexis Peter playing and it's just always like oh it's proper shit because in this hospital they won't let us buy my own car and fuck all the residents (laughs) yeah I don't want to go I don't want to go to Letna I want to go to the soft play area I want to go to the one where I can shag the visitors the staff the the fellow residents, I want to be able to uh, make money from my artwork and drive around in a car and uh, shoot at police officers. I think he did at one point, didn't he, a few episodes back? Oh, yeah, when his neighbour was the chief of police, he did. <laughs> he was out he to did. get him. 
Yes, yes, he is, Billy. It's because you commit crimes. And I think that's the thing now, because we've had like a big gap in between the other ones. Like, obviously, he has got the horrible backstory and everything, but I'm a bit desensitised that now. I'm just seeing it as literally this fella who's committed all these crimes who's just, like, getting annoyed about things. <laughs> yep, yep, because, like, Michael Madden not being seen, nobody found as such, yep. and Jim decides he's going to have to call the FBI. Yes. Um, Jim, and I think it's how dry Jim is. Jim never gives you too much in a story. no. You've got a hundred people talking. There is not a word too many in anything Jim says because no. he says he he tells an anecdote in ten seconds and you get the whole anecdote. He says, "So I picked up the phone and called the FBI and I said, this is going to sound bizarre' <laughs> 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 because it is bizarre. So he tells him where he is. He gets called. He gets caught with his uh, public defender and he thinks his public defender shopped him, but. So he gets sent to jail, and then he's got a video of him going, I didn't hurt anybody, I didn't kill anybody, I didn't rape anyone, I didn't do this, I didn't defraud anyone. You did murder someone, Billy, mm. at the very least, and defrauded them. And they find, they go into about how killers keep trophies in one of his paint boxes, is the, the glasses of Michael Madden with blood on them. Mm-hmm. But it was before the time of DNA, which... I can't imagine how much easier it would have been to get away with murder before mm-hmm. the late eighties. Like, unless there was a police officer actually there witnessing it, I think you're all right. Yeah, pretty much. So, they don't extradite him to Bellingham because the worst they could have got him on was a forgery charge, and I thought this was fascinating. They didn't charge him with that because it would have been a thirty-day sentence, and they were worried that he would stay in Bellingham. Hmm. Oh, what, after the 30 days? Yeah, yeah. So if he's on parole, he can't leave the state. And they're like, well, then we're stuck with him. Ah, right, yeah. Oh, no. Because oh, he gets sent back to the Timothy Mont Centre or whatever, isn't it? Under the Dr. Lidner fella, who he yep. doesn't like. Doesn't even let him shag his secretary. He's knee fun, Dr. Lidner. <laughs> and he's the one who puts them on the wrong, wrong drugs for him. But then, not to worry. <laughs> not to worry, because Dr. Porter... Sorts out getting them released. She seems so nice, didn't she? She seems so nice and all the talking heads and things. And then what happened? First off, Billy goes on hunger strike. Oh, yeah. And then for 34 days, goes on hunger strike. Then Regan, bloody loves chips, Regan. Must have been livid when he woke up. Um, aye, and then so she, so again, like, because this has happened before where he's done hunger strikes, isn't it? Like, it's basically like when he can't use his personalities to get what he wants, he uses something else. It's like that, like, manipulation. Yep, yep. And speaking of it, so what the judge says is they order him to go to Boston, to a new facility, to a doctor to observe him. And the doctor's on record saying, like, he's very charming and... He very subtly let me know that he wasn't a danger, and I do feel manipulated by that. And it's like, so then Billy's released. Yeah. <laughs> I I wrote, judge wants second opinion, and the doctor says, I let him out. <laughs> That's what I've written down. <laughs> Start the losing <laughs> Well, there was a thing, and again, it's, it's the brother, uh, Jim Morrison, makes the point. Where after in Billingham with the guy he'd murdered 
and he says that there's a very good chance that he murdered him because it was three days. He refuses to tell me where he was, yeah. what he was doing. Um, he returned my fishing equipment, missing a weight belt. <laughs> um, so he's clearly just dumped them in a lake somewhere. But he says, um, as smart as what people... Uh, this is why he believes Billy does have the multiple personalities. Mm-hmm. He says, Billy's actually a genius. And someone who's a genius wouldn't have done stupid things like stay in town and drive around in that guy's car mm-hmm. and cash the checks. That's his rationale to it. Or he just thinks he's untouchable, which effectively he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then he does get left out, doesn't he? And then what happens? They give him a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I forgot about that. So he gets let out and they give him a job for the Department of Corrections programming computers. Yeah. And then the man from the FBI who'd like caught him and arrested him and stuff mm. in Miami is fucking livid, isn't he? Oh, he's not happy with that one, but I could no, see. No. Oh, that was like he, he saw the picture of him and went, "That's not Chris Keyboard. That's Chris. That's Billy Milligan." <laughs> <laughs> see, it's gonna work forever. Um, but yeah, it's like. It's like and it's so true as well. Like using like the use such a massive, huge resource to like find him after he'd fucked off, and like he's done all these different things, cost so much money, and then the like systems then paying him <laughs> to give yeah. him a job and make it. It's like bloody hell. Who else did they interview? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just him, him, and a variety of wigs. <laughs> <laughs> So today we've got uh, Carl Computer. <laughs> I can't think of them as good as you. Stephen Screen. <laughs> oh, Mickey Mouse doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry, this has really got us. Okay, come on, take a seat, please. Uh, Vinny Virus Checker. Great to have you in, Vinny. Uh- <laughs> So he's been out of jail for a while now, or out of uh, the institutions, and obviously he's got a girlfriend, Tracy. Yeah. Uh, We don't know anything about how they met. It very quickly goes to, he threatened to kill her, and he gets Rob, she gets Rob to come over, which... He's brother-in-law, isn't it? Is it? Is that who that is? Yeah, it's his sister, Kathy's ex-husband, but husband at the time. Right, I couldn't figure out They don't look like a couple line, do they, Kathy and him? I can see that at a barbecue. Ah, I see what you mean. He looks like someone's ex-husband. <laughs> <laughs> no, no married man's wearing shorts on TV. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Fair. What he told them was, uh, "I can kill all of you, and there's nothing they can do because I'm I'm mentally ill." Yeah. He also laughed about how he had the glasses and the uh, of the murdered Michael Madden. Mm-hmm. Don Cox that's missing, young fella. The mother came to the sister, Kathy, asked if she knew anything. And Billy said, oh, I was with him last weekend, but we just smoked dope next to some cliffs. Yeah. And the next weekend, Billy rides up on a motorcycle and gives Tracy a bunch of money, or Kathy a bunch Kathy, of money. Kathy, yeah. Uh, and he'd literally confessed to, to two murders to the girlfriend, didn't he? Yeah, and then it feels like it's starting to wrap up. It's all about whether or not he has dissociative. And if this was all, if this was like a two-hour bang, this is the story. Mm-hmm. 
crunch down, I think this would be great. But there is a lot of like the guy who says he he, he should have an Academy Award. I think is used three times an episode. I'm, I bet he's well chuffed. That's the only thing he said on the matter. It's like boom, I knew I had a sound bite. There we go. <laughs> At this point, you know they're getting serious because they bring all the French French lads out, don't they? But this is what confuses. Why the fuck is there three different French... I thought you was going to end... Uh, well, he can't finish yet. He hasn't been to fucking Paris and killed a bunch of people. Because why are all these people here? Oh, because the French fellas give it gravitas, man. They sound like, no, they're crack, don't they? Well, they do more than Connie Wilbur, <laughs> who's like a Roald Dahl fucking principal. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a good... Yeah, I like that. Dame, do you know what, right? An Eden Blyton book I had read to me as a child, Dame Slap-A-Lot from the Faraway Tree is what... <laughs> that's what I imagine she looked like, uh, Connie Wilbur. Dame Slap-A-Lot. She's just <laughs> the, most, the hardest-faced fucking bitch you've ever seen on a fucking TV screen. She's dressed like a Victorian doll. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> What would her name be if it was to do with her job? Lenny Liar. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny Lies for Books is what I would call her. <laughs> You've got it. <laughs> And then, then it goes crazy. I think this last 10 should have been a full episode of what I happens know. here. Because why on earth these people weren't contacted to be in it? Because I've heard enough from fucking, what's he called? What's the little fella called? Or the dude in the safe? Or the French people? <laughs> no, these, these. So you think it's all, you know, coming to an end. And uh, Billy goes to Hollywood. <laughs> This is, I'm not bullshit. This is Billy Hollywood. Yep. Like, they want to buy a story. James Cameron's going to direct it and mm-hmm. comes to fucking bumfuck wherever they are to walk around to see where it happened. And for Leonardo DiCaprio to play him. And DiCaprio to play him in the movie. I've just, I'm just going to take a slight side note there because I just, while you were talking about something I didn't care about, I, I popped into Wikipedia about James Cameron so I could see all these different films. I didn't realise he did True Lies. Oh, yeah, he's the Arnie director. I think he did um, Terminator 2 as well. He did Terminator and Terminator 2. Avatar. Avatar. Through to Avatar he's the big. 5. He's the biggest director of all time. I wouldn't go that far. Who's a bigger director? Titanic. Um, loads of them. Kubrick. Nope. Kubrick. I would say artistically he's more acclaimed, but in terms of blockbuster movies... Well, no, you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) True Lies, though, seems a bit different than the other ones. I love True Lies. True Lies is brilliant. Okay, okay, that's who he seems like. That's who Billy Billy Milligan seems like. Do you know the guy that's having the affair with Arnie's wife? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. he's talking about, like... um, He's do, they go on the, the test drive of the car and for some reason he's talking about the ass of the woman he's banging to. Well, she's not having an affair, is she? She's undercover. No, okay. So you've forgotten what happens in True Lies. That's embarrassing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she is... He's playing a con with her, the car salesman. The car salesman is pretending he's a secret agent and he's using that to lure out Jamie Lee Curtis to play her 
to play his wife undercover, and by that he's getting to grope her. He's like, but you can't flinch in public, though no one would be dead. And she's like, oh my god, okay. Oh uh, yeah. The irony being, her mild-mannered, gigantic fucking husband <laughs> is, a, is a secret real agent. Secret agent. And then he brings her into the missions on the back of that. Yeah. You see, it's it is embarrassing. I forgot because we went on holiday once, right? Literally once. Um, I was seven. And the videos that they had were True Lies and Ghostbusters. And our right. Laura, Laura wouldn't watch Ghostbusters because it was beneath her because she was 14. So we just watched True Lies over and over and over and over again. <laughs> and then if she, if she had a lie in, I watched Ghostbusters. It's strange that it's it's depicted as empowering that Jamie Lee Curtis can do a sexy striptease when called upon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but she's not. But can I just say again, she's not having an affair with him. No, he's trying to con her, but yes. Arnie's worried about the affair. So I'm just all I'm trying to say is let's not give Jamie Lee Curtis shit when she's just trying her best. She's a great actress. She's, she's, no, I, but also I, she's not fun. having an affair. She isn't, but she was worried about her gigantic husband being boring. Is yeah. why she's going for this excitement. Yeah. Well, I mean, he does keep fucking off, not telling her out. Fulfilling that w- wonderful 80s mentality of uh, you can't leave a woman alone with another man because they just can't resist fucking them. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a problem that Arnie's monitoring her emails and her calls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all right. That's completely cool. <laughs> Did you ever hear the rumour about Chester Street? I've brought this up on the podcast before, but have you heard it? What? The Chester Street Arnold Schwarzenegger link. Please tell me more. Right. So, Chester Street is a town of bodybuilders. Okay. As you can tell, I fit right in. <laughs> the This is due to the guy who won Mr. Olympia, I want to say three or four times in a row, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Citroni. <laughs> Tony Big Arms. No. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Bicep. There we go. Damn it! Uh, it's the alliterations what you're missing. That's the key. As you were. So Tony Citroni uh, trained apparently with Arnie the year he won it because Arnie wanted to train with the best, and he lived with him. And Citroni runs Citroni's Calf in Chesley Street, which apparently now I have been in heated debates on stag do's and people like are very serious that you don't take this away from them that Arnold Schwarzenegger worked in Citroni's calf for a summer well and if you've heard anything about the way Arnie fucks that's a chance why there's a lot of muscular genetics that don't fit into some families (laughs) around here (laughs) there's a couple of flat tops kicking around that just don't make sense I thought it was just the steroids, but now it makes much more sense. It is also the steroids. <laughs> I've been given this stat for a while, but I've also got a problem with the statistic, which is Chassis Street's one of the biggest per capita of teenage steroid abuse, which I don't know oh. who calculates that. Oh, how? Yeah. But the, there were some guys when I went back in for my first day at sixth form that I'd been in school with for 12 years that had to reintroduce themselves. Really? Yeah, I'm not going to say the name because obviously he's no. fucking massive. But yeah. one guy went, you all right, mate? Um, it's just like, I, I know you look like the lad I went to school if only someone's put a tire in your jumper. <laughs> like, 
I wonder how his downstairs area is now. But right, that that's a funny thing because they didn't tell us they they had some like emergency guidance and welfare lessons. Uh-huh. So, like about ooh, steroids are bad by the way because it shrinks you, and it didn't say testicles. They said you dick. And right. I never, I never got over the fact that, um, because I, that I got, I got that locked in as a fact in my mind, and I just imagine like who measured the before, which doctor measured the before and after. <laughs> like I just imagine one guy being there with massive traps going, well, it used to be nine inches before the bloody steroids. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Barely a button. <laughs> All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> so, if I ever get to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger, my first question is Did you work at Citroni's Cafe? Yeah, good one. When I had that argument on a stag do, someone went, What? So, he didn't work Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> so, the reason why we're bringing up Arnie so much is he goes for motorcycle rides with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, which. Mm-hmm. That's that's a movie in it. Billy Milligan is with Arnold Conan the Barbarian, True Lies Times, Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Uh, I don't think it's right that because I'd love to meet Danny DeVito. I'm easy on Danny. It's Arnie I want to meet. Oh, no, I like Danny DeVito. I don't mind him. That's good, yeah. Don't mind him. I just don't think I'd have a lot to talk to him about. Well, that's the difference between you and me, because I would ask questions and let him talk to me. Well, here's the thing. I've got questions for Arnie. I'm not going to go, Danny DeVito, did you work in Wolves and Jesse Street? I look fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> All right, fair enough. You're right, I'm wrong. You want to write this one down, because it's not often I'll admit that. Okay, I'm just going to cut out a little bit of being a bitch there. <laughs> <laughs> Right, okay, so then the brakes get halted because it turns out Billy Milligan has sold the rights to his story to fucking everyone over the past 20 years. And also, over this, sorry, I've got to say, like, over this time, while he's, like, doing all these, like, proper class things, he's part, like, like having the time of his life meeting all these famous people, like, rubbing shoulders with the stars. James Cameron's going to where he used to live when he was a young'un to get a feel for the place, to really be rooted in the... Whatever, he's just like high and coke and weed about like there's no tomorrow, which obviously is really going to help with the whole mental health issues. It's funny enough, it, it doesn't seem to have a problem. It's when that stuff's taken away from him, he tends yeah, to get a bit stabby. Yeah, <laughs> then that's the issue. <laughs> oh, it's when you don't get your own way, you fragment, Billy. <laughs> yes, I understand. <laughs> what happens is uh, Sandy Akara, who I believe released the first book about Billy, sold the rights for 250k. She, which is that I believe what Cameron paid for it to Billy and then sued Billy for that money and then upped her price to 1.5 million. James Cameron went to Fox Studios. Uh, Fox said, we're not paying that and it collapsed. Uh, I didn't quite understand. Not I just lost interest, so that was good. I'm pleased you got that bit and explained it to us. Yeah, there was a long summer I binged Entourage is how I understood what happened then. <laughs> <laughs> Which would have been a lot better if Billy Milligan was in it. Yeah, fair. Then, during this time, uh, there's Milligan's Law is passed, which you can't profit from things you've done while you're in prison in certain states. Uh-huh. The- what do you think about that? 
Oh, you're not being able to profit off it. Mm-hmm. So it's effectively saying you can't like benefit from your crimes, isn't it? It is, but also away from the context of Billy Milligan. Mm-hmm. There is a thing where it's prison for profit now, so they're privately owned prison. Mm-hmm. And a little bit like Shawshank, you can send them and undercut all the labourers and do the railroads and kind of stuff like that, and the prison just coins it in, and the money you can take off the government per head to cram everyone into a jail cell for a couple of Louis Theroux's I've seen on it. It's fucking brutal. So those kind of laws could actually be detrimental to regular people that haven't yeah. committed heinous crimes. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Billy Milligan, fuck him which is what the state of Ohio tries to do. So they then sue Billy and bill him for every day he spent in a correctional facility. Mm-hmm. For every pill he took, for every meal he had, they're suing him. So he declares bankruptcy. Uh, he moves to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's still getting the sweet money in, isn't he? Yeah, he's still getting money somehow. Of royalties um, and stuff, because they're from from other countries, it's- doesn't count or some shit? That, that's right, yes. So um, the book sales abroad um, goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. But there is also a thing, if he's smart, just imagine he's in Vegas and he's drug dealing, that money can be funneled through Yeah. purchasing X amount of his books abroad somehow. I don't know. But then Billy just becomes an old man. Do you know what I mean? He just ages and gets bigger. And yeah, that's when he moves to Vegas. I've written next to it, seems beneficial. I don't know if I was being sarcastic there or not. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'd go after I was declared bankrupt. Yeah, Sin City. <laughs> Even the music made it seem like it was going to fucking sinister. Baby, baby. I don't know. Just... And <laughs> I, I like Jim, the brother, a lot more than I like Kathy, the sister. Because I know Kathy's just supportive, but she seems like she's almost helped a lot more. Do you know what I mean? Like... I don't know, because I think that she, like... She says the words, I've never forgiven for his crimes, but hey, look after my kids, and here's a home. I know what you mean, but also, he didn't ring her when he needed the bloody abscond, did he? We need to be out of the state. I know, but, like, I just think, like, there's a reason, and, like, she says earlier on in the documentary, like, he wanted, like, I I think she's on about her brother, Jim. Mm -hmm. It's like he should, he want he wanted to help him, but he does he didn't know him, so he couldn't help him properly, and he shouldn't have done what he did. And now, well, I don't think he didn't know him, so he didn't realize that he's lying when he said he's the market manager of a hot tub company. Yeah, he's going to give the weight belt back in two days' time. Don't worry about it. I think he knew Billy knew he couldn't get away with it in the same way with his sister. And it's almost it's annoying they have a chance to humanize him because he has been a fucking monster. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The fact he's just. Because in Vegas, uh, he's doing this, he's doing that, and then he gets sent to jail for threatening a judge. He gets a very light sentence for such a crime. And then she buys him, like, a trailer park home in a field yeah. so he can paint. He hangs out with the niece. The niece becomes the carer. Yeah, the niece who said, you know, when we were little, Uncle Billy was always fun Uncle Billy. <laughs> fun Uncle Billy. <laughs> Fucking hell! Not like mean Uncle Reagan. <laughs> but... <laughs> You have eaten my pop tarts. <laughs> I will find petrol. P- tell you a lesson. Um, yeah, and then in the end, he's diagnosed serious condition, 
on his deathbed, he confesses to his niece that uh, will God forgive him because he's killed people. Aye. So what I wrote was, lives in a caravan, gets cancer, suddenly gives a shit because now it's about his forgiveness and his benefit. And then he tells his niece he killed folk. Yeah. So he's only bothered about what will God forgive what I've done because he's worried about the possibility of getting to heaven or not. It's only when what he's done affects him that he gives a fuck. He is absolutely narcissistic sociopath and had a way better life than he should have with the things he got to experience and the shit he got away with and the people he affected. I do wonder how long he actually like spent in some kind of... Because he never went to prison, did he? So, like, I don't I think so. He was, he was in like... Uh, psychiatric wards that were like prisons yeah. but I don't think he was ever in a prison unless he was for when he threatened the judge I don't know if he brought out one of the fucking old personalities for that one I don't yeah nine, I think I think it ends up being like nine or ten years of incarceration across all of the things that he's done which is disgusting given two to three murders and five sexual assaults I think is the very minimum of the fucking the track record definitely i wonder if um but i mean the murders like everybody at the end is like yeah pretty sure we did them murders but like there was he was never like put up for them was he because there was no nobody or footage of him doing it and no yeah. dna yeah so that brings us as an end to the 24 faces of billy milligan ding sterling what is your score for Oh, I get to do a score. I hadn't thought about that. Ugh, all right. Well, I'll do mine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm giving this a solid 3.5. This was good. If it wasn't for how irreparable my life was upended and changed around over the course of the four months, I think it would have been a higher score. If you like the true crime documentaries and the bizarre stories, this is truly as bizarre a story you could fucking mm-hmm. see, in my opinion. And again, the last 10 minutes where you talk about meeting Arnold Schwarzenegger on motorcycles, I mean, come on, you could have had an episode on that, not fucking mm. Connie Wilbur talking about dissociative dis- disabilities or whatever. But yeah, I- I'm giving it a three, a virgin on a four, but I can't quite do that because I saw that last episode too many times. Yeah, well, no, I was thinking the same. I think probably when I watched it first time round, I would have given it a four, but then I don't really like repetition, so it's gone down. They did as well, like a directorial. I think it it got a, a score knocked off for me because again they repeated all of the arguments about the condition was yeah. fifteen minutes of every episode, and it wasn't even different talking heads. It was the no, same footage. See, yeah, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna also say three point five. Is that copying or is that all right? That's absolutely fine. You're entitled to your opinion. Thanks. I can only criticise you for a Kenyan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought you would have preferred it. You're into that type of thing. No. Um, <laughs> all right. And Tinks has picked the next one, which um, she has yet to see. I have seen before, so I'm excited to do this one. Cause it may be which one? one? Uh, tell me whom I am. Oh, that's the one we're doing next, is it? What's the other one you suggestion? Check it out there. Um... 
Shirkers? Shirkers, yeah. I do like the look of Shirkers as well. Shirkers on Netflix and tell me who I am. Uh, the Patreon episodes are being caught up as well. Um, we have a bunch of Tiger King to do. I've drafted in help uh, to finish AJ's choices for so The Innocent Man. We're going to try and wrap that one up, get all the episodes out for that one. And I'm doing an exciting one with uh, my nerdy football friend called Sunderland Till I Die, which that's going to be very much in my wheelhouse. I can't wait to fucking do. But I am very much looking forward to seeing what you think of Tell Me Who I Am. Oh, well, so I'm looking forward to you listening to what I've got to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, it's so nice to be back doing this. I've missed you, man. <laughs> you could call me without recording this. No, I'm joking. Um, no, I have. I'm just always drunk, so I can't remember. <laughs> that was funny. She was. You held it together so well for five minutes. <laughs> and that's the other reason I haven't rang you, because I fucking brought my phone that night. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I got you. So I haven't rang you since then, because my phone was broke. I, I can tell you've had a lot of people hold things against you for a long time. That wasn't... A, that wasn't... <laughs> hey, this is the first time I've been defensive on this podcast, so at least we're like a cranny way in. <laughs> it's because you haven't been drinking. Right, anyway, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Join uh, in next week and uh, yeah, Patreon episodes will be caught up. Thank you very much for your patience. If you have been patient, but yeah, if you have, thank you and apologies. Uh, the world kind of uh, messed up all the schedules on this one. So thank you again and uh, look forward to doing more. Hope everyone's well and take care. Bye. <laughs>